Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT Radio. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Aaron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, welcome back to Connecting the Dots. I am Matt Errett, and this is the second segment of our show. Now, I am very happy that I'm joined today by another Matthew, one T, not two T's like me, uh, Matthew Crawford, who has, I found, just presented a very, very interesting way of thinking and and mode of analysis uh, that he's brought to this conversation, which is so important right now because... We are living through an age of misinformation, and one could say that that's all of human history. It's not like there's ever been a time where there has been no misinformation, where there's been no conspiracy, and everything was exactly as you saw it. I've not seen any example going back to ancient history where that's ever been the case. Most people are lied to all the time. The question is, how do we discern uh, mistruths from legitimate facts? How do we do we have that internal compass? How do we map through this invisible terrain that we have to always migrate, uh, navigate if we want to get better access to a real understanding of the processes shaping our lives that we, by understanding, have thus a power to then interface with and change for the better if we understand it. But like any surgeon who doesn't understand anatomy, you're not going to get very far with through acting on ignorance in saving the patient. That power to save the patient will occur through an understanding of, uh, health of the biology of the of what a healthy person is and an understanding thus of what is causing disease or what is causing somebody to have a growth that needs to be removed right and humanity is really suffering from a sort of metastasized growth but it is is one that's tied to ignorance stupidity corruption bad ideas that have been treated legitimately for too long so i'm ranting here but just to set the tone uh matthew has i found done a really good job at mapping out some of the historical currents of the misinfo operations i've been on on your show rounding the earth a couple of times i've had a, a lot of fun on it and just chatting with you matthew maybe you could say a little something about how you found yourself in that position where you are now uh helping chart out all of the danger spots and also helping to guide people to a better understanding of what are the misinfo operations and and how to think about a future what what brought you to this position that you're in right now Oddly, um, a, a combination of things that that came full circle in unexpected ways, one of which is that I grew up in what you might call uh, a UFO religion, um, you know, sort of a, you know, it, I went to a Methodist church, but my parents were members of this organization called the Association for Research and Enlightenment. And because of that, we had uh, bookshelves full of occult books and uh you know, what I consider fictional tales that were meant to draw people into um, to supposed psychics like Edgar Casey, And, you know, I, I had I had rejected it all as silly and, and kind of, you know, put it in my past for a very long time. But when the pandemic came along, I noticed oddly just little elements here and there of all those things that I'd seen uh you know, from all those books, all that literature, all the these weird teachings from my childhood. But what really, really focused me in was in early 2022, I was asked by uh, Dr. Robert Malone to um, join the investigation into the military health database. And I went in and I did the job and I found out, you know, 
the and 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 I'll and I'll go ahead and say this. Um, you know, my bias was to to think that the vaccines were hurting people because I had already done multiple analyses on my own. And, uh, you know, the international analysis, um, I had done that in March of 2021. I think I was the first person to do that, uh, even though it was never published, um, showing that there was a correlation internationally between more vaccine uptake and more cases or COVID deaths. Um, and But that's, I, I did multiple other different analyses. So I expected to find some harms in the military health database. However, there had been this Senator Johnson hearing where it was said that there was over a thousand percent increase in injury and illness. And that just sounded, you know, it, it sounded crazy to me. But um, so I, I had kind of competing biases, but I went in and found out, oh, well, the denominator was wrong because a whole bunch of data was missing. However, um, when I when I found those findings, it seemed like all the people around me were expecting me to go along with the story that that the injuries and illnesses were were so highly jacked up. And so they were I, I saw a lot of people promoting the original story to the exclusion of what was the clear and obvious truth, which is that um, which is that the, the the database had had some sort of a problem. And um, I actually suspect that it was rigged that way to create an illusion. So I start looking mm -hmm. around and, and I see, oh, well, one of the lawyers who had presented the incorrect data and you know, it was the only person I'd never talked to, but she was a Scientologist, um, Lee Dundas. And I start, I, I start looking around and I see all these other relationships. And it turns out both of the lawyers who had presented that um, evidence were friends with General Michael Flynn. Um, who was himself, um, you know, the sort of head of U.S. psychological operations in the military. And so I keep finding more and more Scientologists. I keep finding, you know, more and more links between these people uh, networking back to military intelligence in particular, but also, um, you know, other intelligence. And and I just see that that it, it looks clear that they're working together. So uh, you know, I, I'm I'm doing background research. I'm doing background detail, and I come up like I didn't really understand what theosophy was, but when I was mm -hmm. studying Scientology, I sort of like came across it. And yeah, I had seen the you know theosophy books on my parents' shelves. I knew just a tiny little bit, you know. But I'd probably opened books when I was eight years old and then put them back on the shelf because, you know, uh, the, it was too much for an eight-year-old to to think through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ISIS unveiled is a, a little bit, a little bit heavy. So Blavatsky in the morning is a little bit heavy for it <laughs> for a kid with their right. Cheerios. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I'll go ahead and say this just as an interjection in all this, um, there were books, there were books that I got a lot out of, um, specifically for this reason. Uh, and this is what I think the, the draw is to cults, which is that in our, in our regular schooling, we are not taught enough about practical personal um, communication relationships. This is why like ground level Scientology classes, ground level EST classes, all of these things, uh, they do bring people in because they are practical, right? It's practical psychology, hmm. right? How to win friends and influence people, all these sorts right. of things, right? And, and of course you can take all of those things to a sociopathic degree. Hmm. Um, but the, the thing that I found really value, valuable was um, a conception of meditation. My conception of meditation was just, um, this is how to learn, 
right? You, you, you sit and you think about things, positive visualization. And we hear this in sports now all the time, right? It have, like that, that portion of uh, meditation culture did work its way into various places in practical society. And I, I, you know, uh, envisioned myself doing things or, um, I don't know. I, I found it to be a valuable thing. And I also found just, you know, sitting and relaxing and thinking about things to be valuable, uh, which may have been, you know, part of uh, the reason I was able to go to university on a mathematics scholarship and, and study mathematics. I always felt that was, you know, beneficial as part of the process. So I'm kind of inserting that in because I do want people to, to, you know, think through this and, and understand the way uh, I think this all evolved culturally, which is if you leave people lacking something, then it's easier to drive them into cults that give them that first as bait, right? Mm -hmm. There's a carrot there. Right. And I yeah. think that that's part of that. That's definitely part of what's been going on right now. I think part of the whole misinformation, disinformation um, environment is that like with QAnon, for instance, um, you, you have people saying, yes, there is this large human trafficking element of society, right? And the mainstream media has been shutting that down, shutting that down for decades. You know, you go back to the League of Nations, and other than just broadly international relations, the thing that they say that they're trying to solve at the United Nations are dark markets. They specifically talk about human trafficking and uh, and drug trafficking. And this is all the way back in like, I don't know, was it 1919, 1920, you know, uh, yeah. whenever this was was being put together. Um, right. And, you know, and so, you know, QAnon gives people that a, a recognition. No, you're not crazy for thinking that this is a very big problem for looking at the, the Dutroux scandal, for looking at you know, what happened with Boy Scouts of America, what's happened with, you know, many churches, um, many, many scandals prior to, to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and, and then during the pandemic, you know, what what these conspirituality communities, that's been a term that's been thrown out. It's it's derogatory, but, but I'll go with it for a moment. Um, you know, they say, yeah, you're right. There is something wrong with the pandemic. Um, it's not clear how much of an illness there even was how much you know it was there a novel virus or are we using a pcr test to detect something that was already maybe ubiquitous anyway maybe in the background or um or just you know being rigged some other way um there were all kinds yeah. of people who tested positive without a disease state anyway maybe more than who were actually sick uh, and, and then you have the vaccines come along and, and frankly, I don't think they work. And we know that they call, cause myocarditis and peri pericarditis. That's admitted now. And so it stands to reason that they probably do kill, especially some older people or, or weaker people who, you know, um, may not be able to handle a sudden heart issue. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that that's part of one of the, the, cause you have different types of limited hangouts. We're like, why is it that the oligarchy will sometimes allow truths to circulate? Well, sometimes it's it's in order to give people a false sense of satisfaction by with by giving them some truths and we withholding others. But at other times, it's also over amplifying truths that would otherwise dis disrupt the oligarchy. And I, I was thinking of the example as you were as you were going through your story of uh, Kevin Annette, who's sort of a Canadian proto QAnon sort of figure playing that role at least. And he's a he's a, somebody who's been speaking about child sacrifice, ch ritual abuse of children, all sorts of things, um, creating all sorts of entities as well. 
to uh, like, I think he gave himself the right to arrest the queen and arrest the Pope. And, and it's like, a, it collects a lot of money because it, it does speak to a certain element of truth. There is, as you pointed, pointed out, ritual abuse of children, child trafficking. These are real things. So it's speaking to, to a certain amount of that. But there was this case where you had families of survivors in Ireland of uh, abuse, sexual abuse and otherwise in um, a particular uh, school connected to a church. And uh, and they had spent years going through legal proceedings, pr proving their case of abuse of their parents and grandparents. And uh, and finally, it was getting national attention. There was going to be some motion happening politically against a lot of what was going on. And all of a sudden, who who shows up for like one week? Kevin Annette shows up in Ireland, all of a sudden representing or all of the media is covering him as he's the representative somehow of the families and the families are trying to explain, no, because we don't know who this guy is. And he's talking about child skulls and going through the worst gruesome details of blood drinking in the basements of the thing and how there's thousands of, of skeletons under the church that nobody's found, but he somehow knows. And of course, it just completely creates a national scandal. Everyone thinks that the families are crazy and then he disappears and it's over. The, 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 all of their years of work are destroyed because uh, everyone now thinks that these people are all represented by Kevin and Ned and that's that's their view. And uh, and the job is done. So it, it, it over amplifies certain truths to the point of ridiculousness and undermines then any potency that the truth might otherwise have had, as I think you just pointed out with the over amplification of the 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 effects of the vaccines that were bad. They were bad uh, increased deaths, but not to the extent of whatever a thousand percent extra. I don't know. So it's crazy, absurd numbers. And by you simply pointing out, hey, guys, you're 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 overinflating it a little bit. You're, you're too enthusiastic. I think you uh, you you touched on a nerve, it seems. Eh? Yeah. And and I, I believe that I'm seeing that I, I'm I very firmly believe that I'm seeing that in the medical freedom movement, which is I think that there are people um, who um, uh, have been pushed forth as being the the representatives of discussion. Um, who are pushing tales that I think, you know, will cause harm to the discussion, right? And, and it makes it difficult to have the discussion more broadly with, you know, people who aren't on the same side as you. And, and when documentaries come out, like the Died Suddenly documentary, which I've written four articles about and was very much not a fan of, um, uh, you know, it, it makes things look so wacky. You know, you throw in Bigfoot, you throw in, uh, this, this is what the inquirer and the weekly world news do you know you, you take very serious issues and put them on the page opposite of of you know bigfoot being given an anal exam by gray aliens and reptilians right um right. It, it, it makes it look as silly as possible and i think that that is what we are experiencing so i wanted to know why and i've done several thousand pages of reading this year including yours and your wife's uh which i greatly appreciate um and and putting together my own maps of all these relationships studying you know what is going on i actually think that that we may actually be approaching an attempt at putting together a new world order a world government you know people look at the who there are people in the medical freedom movement who go look they're trying to establish like the ability to punch a button and control everybody's governments i i personally suspect that that's actually sort of a uh a red herring in this sense whoever it is who has the power the military power um and the banking power together ultimately there is there's world governance if you have those two things uh to the extent that you can 
um, govern any particular nation that way. And that has nothing to do with the World Health Organization, right? To the extent yeah. that that it does, it would only be like some sort of a facade. Like let's let's throw down some policies there, right? Um, but we know we. I actually talked um, for the first time yesterday with James Roguski uh, very briefly, who had um, noted that there were actually no um, that that the votes on the amendments to this to this these you know WHO document plans that have been coming out that the votes never took place. You know, like this is the, no. This is this is very fascinating. Look, art going on. Yeah, no, there there really is, and there's a lot of uh, it's it's like these scarecrows that are supposed to be the hate absorbing, attention absorbing um, entities that we give our fear and hate to, while all of this other reality is going on, and we can't see it because our minds are so traumatized and wired to just be focused on the one thing, this one weird scarecrow phenomenon. Um, so that we're going to talk schwab. a lot more about. That. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's very clearly a cardboard cutout, but he's just so perfectly the Dr. Evil that that we want him to be in some weird way. So let's just take a moment. We're going to go for a quick commercial break and we're going to come right back on TNTradio.live. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2% you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left 
is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. of the hour we'll keep on top of the news it's the most important thing we can do on today's news talk tnt radio all right we're back with our second uh our second segment of the second hour with matthew crawford before the commercial break matthew had alluded to a bunch of very fascinating and important things of which much is elaborated upon on his substack which i hope everybody listening subscribes to matthew crawford's substack rounding the earth uh, there's a lot of good good material on there high value the thing that caught my attention um the most was the issue again of the scientology groupings that are very influential in the so-called medical freedom movement whatever that's that is um which is also tied to something that goes back quite a long ways even as far as the remote viewing projects that were run from the stanford research institute and that have made sort of were the earliest groups to have made health freedom and especially vaccine awareness and i agree i'm not a fan of vaccines in any way but have made this like a single focus fear issue for decades and decades before it was popular. Could you say a little bit, what is it about Scientology that is that is that you think is tied to all of these things? What makes that uh, a conduit that is of importance? Well, Dianetics, um, which I, I, I've only read excerpts of, so I, I'm not gonna be able to, to give you a complete answer here, but it offers an alternative approach to health, right? Mm -hmm. um, apparently what's taught in Scientology is yeah, you follow uh, their prescribed uh, exercises and you can test through auditing to make sure that you're getting these, you know, body thetans, aliens off your body. Uh, you, you master disease uh, through their principles. And so this goes hand in hand with saying, well, the way the real world's doing it is wrong. And just like any sort of partisan debate, uh, usually each side does a better job at critiquing the other side than critiquing itself. Um, mm. But, it, you know, there are so many different ways that you can critique the pharmaceutical industry, and they do have a lot of protect, uh, correct critiques of the pharmaceutical industry, in my, in my opinion. Um, in fact, I think that that's, you know, that's a lot of the way that controlled opposition is set up, is you set up a flawed opposition itself so that both sides can bicker back and forth and at one another. And I think that that's at least one of the purposes probably of these sorts of, um, you know, cults that get set up or, or just any controlled opposition. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what about, you've made the point that there's um, an occult aspect to this as well that is somehow tied in, in some way to things like, 
don't know if the if you look you probably have the OTO like the or the Ordo Templi Orientis um and the Theosophists earlier uh could you right. say a little bit about the occult aspect that you've alluded to uh that's also behind Scientology sure well Dianetics was written by two uh members of the OTO um of the Thelonious Society both L. Ron Hubbard and um I'm trying to remember her name. It, uh, uh, it, it, so, it's something Northrop. Um, it, it was his girl. It was his uh, wife at the time. I guess they wrote they wrote Scientology together. But she had studied magic from a very early age, from a te- from you know a teenager. She was deep hmm. into the occult. She had gone as a teenager to live with um, Jack Parsons. Uh, and this oh. is before she became Jack Parsons' girlfriend after some period of time. But Jack Parsons ran this mansion that actually had like 19 apartments in it. So he had all these people, you know, living with him. And, you know, uh, her parents, and this is interesting, her father worked for Standard Oil. <laughs> uh, hmm. I found that out just today while I was doing some reading. But yeah, you, you've got um, all this occult influence. And then suddenly you've got this new. Uh, religion being created, but you know, first first dianetics was sent down, which I really think that uh, L. Ron Hubbard was sort of practicing the writing of dianetics by writing science fiction, imagining worlds. I think he had, you know, some sort of an idea in mind as he was going, mm. as to come up, you know, to to reach the point of writing dianetics. I don't know if oh, I answered your question well. I'm, no, I'm you kinda... a little bit. No, no, no. It's good. It, it is. It is useful. I didn't know about the OTO. I didn't know that there was a second author and I didn't know that that was the woman. I knew the story of uh, Hubbard having stolen Parsons girlfriend when they were living together. I didn't know that she was also the one to co-write Dianetics. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And the standard oil connection also interesting as well. How you right. have all often high level establishment families who have children who find themselves enmeshed in these uh, cultural warfare operations. It's a really strange thing. eh? And then that brings up uh, your own story as well. Like your, you know, your, your parents to a certain degree were also tied into one of these weird uh, Edgar Casey cults that somehow also was sort of a feeder into some of these experimentation programs often being done peers on children on remote viewing on uh, creating new, types of soldiers i suppose this was part of the revolution military affairs operation that was being planned out in the 70s to create like jedi superhuman warriors um could you actually elaborate on on that experience a little bit like what was that (laughs) you know funny thing is that they did sometimes call it a jedi program and albert stubblebine who was the um major general who ran the remote viewing program would would refer to it as his super soldier program and mm-hmm. it's important to note that he was put in that position to reorganize military intelligence that was that was part of his job he reorganized the military intelligence uh, apparatus um he was put into that position in 1980 by Jimmy Carter who was a co-founder of the trilateral commission with David Rockefeller and and Zbigniew Brzezinski. Um, but, you know, I, I can't tell you as well as one of my older brothers might have been able to. I'll tell you a little bit about what it was like to grow up. Like, you know, we we were constantly discussing, like, you know, developing your, your psychic potential. Um, and we had, uh, you know, various tests were given to us, right? Like, um, and I, I never can remember the name, even though I've looked it up 50 times, and I have a pretty good memory 
um, it's like a mental block, but the cards that that have like a circle, a square, whatever, you know, wh which card am I looking at? And uh, so, and you would guess on average five out of 25, right? If you get some number, it might be eight. Uh, if you get eight out of 25, right, just guessing that would be statistically significant, um, which as a statistician, I know is, is an absurd way to look at things because you're simply going to, you know, you're going to have statistically significant results even even purely at random um hmm. but yeah uh, you know we, we would have um training sessions we would have missions uh where we were supposed to um impose our will on somebody right like like you know uh, um strongly think about what you want a person to do and then watch and see if they do it but a lot of it was like like stupidly simple and just just illusions like look at the clouds and make this little cloud disappear right mm. and of course it's nonsense because what you have is a complex system where you know what what we see as a cloud is just an amount of water vapor that is dense enough that we see it right mm -hmm. <laughs> and and that density comes and goes as the flows of the air you know collect and then disperse amounts of water in the air um but it, it ended for me when i was eight years old so you know I, there's a lot that I probably would have gone through that my older brothers did that I didn't see um, because we had a tragedy in the family. Everything was was kind of chaotic and changed. We adopted um, cousins. Um, you know, my aunt and uncle went to jail for capital murder. Um, you know, pretty, pretty oh terrible. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a pretty tragic situation. But what oh. this meant was that um, was all of sort of the free time of the family and and exit you know um uh, in, in anything that we would do together kind of disappeared so mm -hmm. uh you know and i i guess i dodged a bullet <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds like it well i think it, it the fact that you you already had this direct experience and that gave you sort of this this reference point uh is a huge edge that you've had worked to your benefit in analyzing um a lot of the 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 coloring of the world that a lot of people miss out on. Um, so that's good in, in some weird way, but you brought up stubble bean. And I mean, I, I, I don't think that this can't be understated or overstated the importance of stubble bean in overseeing this complete transformation of the military. And uh, maybe I, there's something known as the Stargate project, right? Out of, uh, was it Fort Meade? What was, like I, I have a better idea of of what the remote viewing project was. Their use of kids to try to like create a scientific uh, veneer for um, this this idea of what they wanted the super soldiers to be. But did this just end with the Stargate project and the remote viewing projects, or did this? How did this influence uh, the U.S. military command that he oversaw um, and the practice of what was the U.S. military foreign policy? Did this have a direct continuous influence into the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and, and our present day, militarily speaking? Yeah, of course. In 1980, I was three years old. Uh, so I, I've had to go back. You know, the, the question yeah. that you're asking me is a question that I've asked in my own research. I'm trying to figure this out right now. Okay. Uh, here are some things that I can say is that, one, um, Stubblebine took this program over right at the same time as the Mind War paper was written by... Uh, Michael Aquino and uh, Paul Vallely, right? So you have this move toward thinking of 
of more warfare in terms of psychological operations. One thing that I think that was becoming more and more true is that, uh, uh, you know, military powers realized, look, you can overthrow a regime or cause a regime change with uh, targeted pressure, psychological operations, maybe an assassination or two, if you need to, right? And I think that 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 most of military conflict moved in that direction where possible. And, you know, the the people running the show who have even written about this at times say, you know, this is the more humane way to do it. Um, there's this controversial, possibly Rockefeller document that had been found by somebody, you know, it, in a printer, a used printer that they bought called I, Silent I, Iron Weapons. Mountain. Oh, OK. Yeah. What, right. Uh, I, I thought you were going to gonna say Iron Iron Mountain, but yeah, the Silent Weapons Report. Okay, yeah, 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 the Silent Weapons Report, and you know, it it that it is consistent with what we've seen. Move toward at least attempts for silent weapons, even when they haven't worked, like the foam that like turns into a wall or or freezes people in place, stuff like that. That's been tried to be deployed, didn't work as well as as hoped. Um, and maybe they do. They have tried sound weapons or things like that to, like you know, aggravate people or who knows. But there, there are a lot of claims that had been made over the years that I think justified the funding and the research, even if they were false. Like there's um, the the Russian claim from the 1960s that they had targeted a psychotronic weapon at a goat from a kilometer away and killed the goat. And I think that this is ultimately well, one goat. Um, within the psychic community sometimes represents a person who doesn't believe. So mm -hmm. I think that that's actually part of that story. It's sort of a hope story, but I think also that's where the, the title, the men who stare at goats comes from um, with John Ronson, mm -hmm. which I think was an attempt to make that whole program look silly when really it, it is one of the more important programs in terms of the development of the way modern warfare has gone. Yeah, no, I, I think and I've watched that movie and it's based on a book and it, it's true. Like it 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 acknowledges that it's sort of based on on truth, but it does it in such a way that it blurs truth and fantasy, as they often do, to the point that you end up laughing and chuckling at this thing that should be horrific because right. this influenced so much in our it, I, you know, one could art. Stubblebean was the commander general of the U.S. Army Intelligence and Security Command. Like that's the the top military intelligence position you could imagine he is honored as being like the most important figure who overhauled uh the entire um like the revolution in military affairs that samuel p huntington and zbigniew brzezinski brought online with the trilaterals he's the guy who put that into into motion and, and, it, it's and making it look silly if i could interject um yeah, it yeah, also yeah, interjects some of the horrors of these programs, which is trauma-based mm. mind control, right? Um, yeah. Into the remote viewing program were brought several of the people who were most responsible for MKUltra, including Sidney Gottlieb and um, and uh, some other names that I'm not going to remember off the top of my head at this moment, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring them up if I do, or maybe I'll find them on my graph while I'm talking. But, um, you know, uh, just in the last uh, three years, a lawsuit sprang up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, which was where the headquarters was for the Association for Research and Enlightenment, is where Edgar Casey took his family. And it's noteworthy that his his uh children went and you know went into the military and some, you know, at least one of his grandchildren. Um, but there's a lot of military intelligence in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And Kay Griggs, for instance, talked about the Virginia Beach military mafia. But the Association for Research and Enlightenment had a camp in Virginia Beach, 
And this lawsuit has come out that dozens of people have joined saying they were raping us at this camp. Right. Wow. They, and, and it was not only that, but um, teaching uh, campers to rape each other. There were apparently, um, you know, it was joined by, uh, you know, I, I don't know the, the specific details, but but some of the campers would become involved. But the, the people the people who were raped would then have to face the person who had assaulted them and uh, forgive them because unconditional forgiveness is like the is the foundational principle of the Association for Research and Enlightenment. So I think that this was like um, a psychological, it is a trauma-based mind control operation to uh, see what happens when you twist people's values to make work against them. I think that's at least yeah. part of it is what I believe. Um, no, that, but by my making all this seem silly, right? Mm -hmm. um, it keeps people from delving into it and wanting to know more and figuring out what has actually gone on in these programs. All right, this is some wild stuff, and this is bit. This has been the second segment of Connecting Dots. Tune back in in about a minute and a half, and we will continue this discussion on Connecting the Dots TNT Radio Live. JDRF's vision is to create a world without type one diabetes. The type one diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the type one diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the type 1 diabetes community, we're energised by the type 1 community, and we're accountable to the type 1 diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist, and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day day after day until the day we find a cure to everybody in the type 1 diabetes community no matter your age or stage with the disease whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can Thank you to everybody who's supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying, by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. To learn more, visit nature.org today. Navigating through the minefield of misinformation, intelligence operations, predictive programming. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Aaron on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right, we're here for the third segment of our second hour with Matthew Crawford, and uh, we were just going through trauma-based mind control, uh, different types of projects affiliated with occult agencies that have grown disproportionately in influence in the U.S. establishment, especially within the military. Um, Matthew had even, you, you'd referred before we went into a break to um, Paul Vallelay and uh, Aquino as two figures who interfaced closely with General Albert Stubblebean. Um, in bringing about some of the work that had been done on the super soldiers, you know, remote viewing will to power program of creating a new race 
of uh, genetically superior, psychologically, whatever, spiritually superior beings that would then influence the military and make America great again, you know, in a really weird way, bad way. Um, it's fascinating that Michael Aquino, who is the Satanist, is the most yeah. honest about it. He actually, um, but you know, totally, it, 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 he he tells everybody um, remote viewing doesn't work. And he was even part of the comp, like the post-military company that was formed by uh, Ed Dames, I think is is who formed it. Um, but he says, no, there's nothing to this, guys. Like this is just, you know, it's all silly. And he even tells stories like he, he was a magician himself as were multiple people who, you know, started things out. Russell Targ was a magician. Yuri Geller was brought in and Michael Aquino is a magician. Lots of magicians, right? Uh, it seems, seems to be a lot of, a lot about creating <laughs> illusions, but Michael Aquino was at least the honest magician. Yeah. Right. And, but he was also, and this, this seems to be part of what we were talking about with these different types and variations of limited hangouts where Aquino is also somebody who has been rather outspoken on the nine 11 is an inside job operation. Um, I noticed that as too. well as Paul Vallelay has also come out and before he died in 2017 at the age of like 93 years old or something, but so did Albert Stubblebean. All of them had spoken and were, were becoming heroes in the so-called uh, 9-11 truth community speaking on Alex Jones. And these are all the people who oversaw the most occult disruptive act of transformation of the U.S. military into something satanic because aquino what what else was aquino doing that was he's the founder of the temple of set he was like um right well, similarly and- <laughs> david rockefeller tells us yeah there's a plan to destroy the united states and and, and, and enact a new world order and i'm proud to be a part of it right you've right. got um uh warren buffett who says yes there's class warfare going on and we're winning right when, mm-hmm. when you're that far at the top do you even have to disguise it right and it's almost like they're they're playing. It's almost like a sick joke where these guys are almost toying with those, uh, the plebes who are uh, naturally, there's always going to be a certain proportion of people who will think outside the box. And I'll, you know, and it's like they're almost, it's it's almost like a, a psyop itself just by being so upfront and straightforward with their intention um, that it really does a number on people's minds and gives them um yeah, yeah, the a, combination a false... of yeah. sabotage of the educational system um, keeps people, I think, from being as alert as they would be. And then then you get a sabotaged media. Uh, mm-hmm. And and on top of that, you've got Gelman amnesia. So even when people notice that things aren't right in areas mm-hmm. where they demonstrate it, it's not as it's not like most people have time while they're working on a career and raising a family to stop and figure out what all these missing yeah. pieces are to the history that they thought they knew. Yeah. It's almost like useless information to, to hear a David Rockefeller saying like, Hey, I'm running the world and I'm going to kill you. Um, it, 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 if you don't have the, the epistemological faculties to deal with that factoid, it will traumatize you to the point of either resulting in you wanting to run away from any kind of knowledge that might, might fill in that information more or, turn you into a bit of a fanatic or an emotional traumatized case that can't think clearly because, and also it creates a hate absorber because David Rockefeller, okay, it's like Klaus Schwab, right? You can, or Warren Buffett, like they're, they're there to be hated, but they're not themselves causing the policy that they're presiding over as an upper level management. They're ultimately, it's useful for those who brought the Rockefeller family into a position of prominence 
to have like a local representative to say to be a hate receiver or a Rothschild representative to be a hate receiver. Uh, but it it's like it's not it's not the evil that is is been created is not created because of these personalities. They can come and go. There's a process that has brought that has allowed this to come into being that requires people think a lot more deeply about human history and themselves if they're going to be able to really deal with that. And very few, like you said, who are like in the grind doing a nine to five day to day making ends meet. It's very difficult to really take the time to to really build up those faculties. So you have a lot of just like people who are just trauma trauma cases running around right right for misinformation and to be told something they, they want to hear from somebody who they think that they can trust like Stubblebean's wife you were saying also is an interesting figure within the uh the the uh, medical freedom movement who's been um a bit of a hero as Stubblebean was also turned increasingly into a hero in later years uh I don't know if that's something yeah, she's that she's somebody think. who took money from uh Wilbur Rockefeller for at least one project, but I, I, I uh, have documentation uh, on a second one. She admitted to me one, one of those projects uh, because I'd been pressing her after my article. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I think that what happens is people become, a, uh, they either, I think people wind up being ejected from communities when they mm -hmm. dig too deep, right? Because it is, they're rubbing up against so much cognitive friction Mm -hmm. And if you are ejected or even feel like you're ejected from a community, now you're sort of just like a free agent out in the world, right? It, it, if you don't have a strong enough personality, it's it's difficult to deal with. You have to be a strong person to be on your own and then, you know, build your own community again and, and do it well. Um, on, on the other hand, I think what happens is there's a lot of cult recruitment when it is that these truths, especially very jarring truths, come out, um, you have a lot of uh, new cult recruitment. I actually think this is what the Great Awakening is partially about. I think that this whole, um, like, you know, reawakening tour, I think, um, yeah, this is the fifth Great Awakening in history. So there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a playbook for it. It goes all the way back to the 1700s. And I think that this is a matter of catching people who are looking for something else because they know that there's nothing you know, that the, the, the truths that they're finding are somewhere else out there, or you have limited hangouts, just cul-de-sacs. That might be something like the John Birch Society, for instance, um, right. you know, just places to catch people before they go out and form their own community and have enough of the truth to deal with. They're pulled into a political direction. You know, if you can politicize it, turn it into something that's partisan again, uh, turn it into part of the Hegelian dialectic between the fascists and the communists, then, um, you know, you can cut off any kind of a challenge to the world order as it is. So mm. that, that's what I, that's the way I see it at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, it's, it, it's interesting how you almost have this esoteric knowledge for the, the, the exo and the esoteric knowledge within the truth communities as well, you know, regarding those who have, who come to have known, who have come to know that the federal reserve is a private bank and uh and you know you've had books written in the 1930s often by occultists affiliated with alistair crowley who wrote the original expose in 1932 on the federal reserve being a you know uh a jacob schiff warburg jewish conspiracy bank to take over the united states and a lot of it like 95 percent of the facts in that book is true this guy was uh george sylvester virake 
He's a black magician occultist who worked for the Nazi, later on worked for the Nazi high command and worked very closely with Aleister Crowley, who was also a German uh, double agent actually working for British intelligence in America, writing all of these exposés exposing the banker's conspiracy and these things that created a whole movement um, that fed into literature into the John Birch Society that fed into the, the McCarthy networks to try to prove the, the the conspiracy. And a lot of it involved the the truth. But then there was always these Trojan horses and it resulted in these people who could only talk to people who thought exactly like them because they didn't have real deep knowledge. But it's like if you knew the trigger words, the key words, you were like part of the inside esoteric grouping. And then there were those normies who just didn't know and accepted popular narratives who were somehow inferior to you. And you had this sense of superiority complex then, which encrusted these little subcults that uh, we see this all over the uh, the health freedom groupings as well. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's become something really mm, weird. Yeah, it, you mentioned superiority. And so, um, you know, here's one of the things that I saw amongst one of the Scientologists in the medical freedom movement who really disturbs me, a guy named John Mappin. And uh, I don't know if we've discussed him before. I don't know if you know that name, but he, um, his family has been a royal jeweler to the crown of England for like 249 years now. Uh, He owns and lives in Camelot Castle. Yeah, And during QAnon, he flew the Q flag above it. I believe that he and his wife have been involved in porn. (laughs) But he's a Scientologist, right? He's specifically gone out to gather people in the medical freedom movement in Europe. And I think people should be very wary of him. Uh, you know, I saw an interesting interview um, that he did with, with Dr. Robert Malone and he took Dr. Robert Malone to the, um, uh, what is it called? The, the conservative wing of the Davos crowd. It starts with a C Cam- Cambridge, not Cambridge club, but anyhow, um, uh, well, he has this thing about pure bloods, right? I think that there was, I can't remember if he was directly involved in this, but he, he does a lot. He did some tweeting about, um, you know, referring to people who'd been unvaccinated as pure bloods, right? I mm. think this is really, really dangerous. Mm. Um, but there have been uh, dating sites and he may have been involved in that. I can't recall for sure. But there are also like blood banks forming where, you know, people are trying to share and receive blood only from, you know, to and from people who have been unvaccinated. And this is this is it's one of the reasons why I think that really and truly both sides are kind of working together in this horror yeah. show that we're living in, because I think that things are set up that way. Right. Um, we, the, the authorities who have been running this giant experiment with mRNA. Um, they may know much more than we do about what's going on, about the degree to which things are integrated into DNA and what what exactly that means. But if you have a group of people who are both skeptical and also, you know, they don't have any information shared with them over what's going on and what's, you know, what's going on with blood or what's going on with DNA, then they're going to be fearful of, you know, sharing blood with or even possibly procreating with people who've been vaccinated. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you create on both sides of the aisle a sense of we are superior because we got injected and, and thus our, our bodily fluids are more pure. And then, no, we're superior and our bodily fluids are more pure because we're not and we're the pure bloods. And you can create a whole pseudo spiritualism around with almost like ethical consequences, which is not it's not different enough than what we have seen with the Thula Society and inner 
a sanctum belief structure of the Nazi high command or the earlier Thula society or the uh, the theosophists as well. And there are different variations and spinoff groups that all posited that our morality, our moral value and our spirit somehow emanated through our bodily fluids. I think we even had a character in Dr. Strangelove who uh, represented uh, this, the, an embodiment of this, this uh, way of thinking in that one general who was just so convinced that they want to steal our bodily fluids, um, which is just a weird, I don't know, another level to the psyop since even as you pointed out in your writings, uh, Kubrick had some weird connections and his daughter's also a high level Scientologist, Vivian Kubrick, right? And she's um, also in some of the chat groups, I'm told, in the medical freedom movement. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that is also very interesting. We only have a few minutes left. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to just bring up as well, the Great Awakening. Um, before this segment, I was actually just rambling on about the origins of the rapture cult that, that perverted a lot of the, the Christian movements in America uh, and turned it into like an end times uh, cult um, that's very influential in shaping a lot of the worst dynamics of the 20th century and today and how this emerged out of the Second Great Awakening which what involved British intelligence operatives proselytizing across the United States, creating these, these, these things that were made fun of by Elmer Gantry, the movie later on revivalism and things like that. Um, You're talking about like 1840s, right? Yeah. 1830s, 1840s. Yeah. Of yeah. Uh, Latter-day Saints church. Uh, That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. The Mormon church was, was part of this whole second great awakening of the 18, yeah. 30s, 40s. That uh, that was part of the the cultural warfare against the American psyche and the American mode of thinking in general expressed in the in the Revolutionary War. They, that that had to come undone. That idea of, of a potent Christianity, and uh, and yeah, totally British intelligence, including the the 1740 version too, to mystify it and turn it into something much more supernatural in in character than something that is tied to a moral identity that would create institutions that would be good. And long lasting that that type of Christianity had to go away in favor of this personal, this weird personal thing that, you know, ignored the other elements. So I'm really impressed that you're bringing that into the current um, psyop as well, because it's true. They call it the Great Awakening. The the new Great Awakening is, is another name that was given to the uh, the supposed. Uh, yeah, anti old yeah, that term was thrown around a lot, starting with QAnon, mm. uh, at least so far as I saw. Right. Um, really? Yeah? I, mm. it, it, it's been associated with Q, with QAnon, at least. Um, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if there is an attempt to create a new religion with mm. the people who are ejected, who would be easier to control, even if they're even if they think on their own. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, people who feel that they're isolated or more likely to be um, somebody you can subject to pressure, right, torment a little bit. Um, you know, give them something that they need, give them something that's nourishing to draw them in, have a carrot, but also have a stick. And once the stick gets applied, there's really nowhere for them to go anyway. It's sort of like a, you know, an abusive spousal situation. You know, people don't leave a cult. People don't leave an abusive spousal situation um, because it's difficult to know that you will be able to get into a better place than where you are, right? So um, yeah, it's a really awful game theory to all that. And it wouldn't shock me if if that's true. It wouldn't shock me if there's a plan to maybe establish a new world order, right? There's somebody out there. I, I'm actually, I'm considering this, even though like, I, 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 like my heart is skeptical 
But there are people who claim, you know, um, maybe we have things like earthquake machines. Maybe the earthquake in Japan the other day was created, or maybe the one that uh, you know resulted in uh, the destruction at Fukushima was mm-hmm. was artificially created. And and ultimately, I, f- I just found documentation from like 60, 70 years ago that DARPA wanted to create such a program. So I'm actually yeah. giving it a thought. Right. We're going to have to we're going to have to unpack this because you're you're bringing in some serious material for another conversation. If people want to reach you, where do they go? Uh, Ten seconds. Rounding the Earth is my Substack. Great. Rounding the Earth. Matthew Crawford. This has been great. Thank you very much. TNT Radio. We're going to come back after the break.